Thanks for the excellent meal. I'm sure that everybody found something they liked that was good for you and good to you. I don't know why a lot of you, you pray and say, Lord, bless it to our bodies. I wouldn't say it that way. We might have had enough blessed to our bodies. Maybe bless for the good of our bodies, but we seem to get a lot blessed to our bodies, you know. I don't want to keep everything I eat. It was a great meal, though. It was a real blessing. And good, robust theological discussions were had down on my end of the table. First it was politics, then it was theology. It was good, though. We had a good time. And we're thankful again that we could be here. And I already gave a lot of thanks this morning, so please accept all of that. We're very grateful. And do, uh, do pray for us, if you would, as we continue to pray for you. We saw in Revelation 4.11, everything is created for God's... Thanks, Brother Byler. Thank you, Mr. and Mrs. Byler, for saving the day and getting that right. It's pleasure. All right, everything was created for God's... Pleasure. So we can say glory, other passages, but for God's pleasure. What's another word for pleasure? Will, for His will. That word translated pleasure is often translated will. God's will, what pleases God. That's, that's why we could simplify life. There's a few kind of maxims you could take. Love God, love others. You could boil it down to love. Just make sure that's defined by Scripture, that love. You could say glorify God. That's all you do. Whether therefore ye eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. You could say, please God. And sometimes we get so complicated, we lose that. Please God. Please the Lord. But you can't just say, well, I've been thinking about, wonder what would please God. Here's an idea. What would Jesus do? That's not really a good philosophy. What did Jesus say? What did Jesus do? What's the Bible actually say? Because what would Jesus do could make me just the final authority on what I think Jesus would do. Well, I mean, I don't think, for instance, Jesus would rebuke somebody to their face right in the middle of church. Well, that's what Jesus had Paul do. I don't think Jesus would throw tables over and tell people they're not worshiping right. Actually, Jesus did do that. What would Jesus do? What did Jesus give us to do? We do all to God's pleasure, all for His will. But how are we going to know His pleasure, His will? The Bible reveals it. So we take all of Scripture that applies to us, and we apply all of Scripture to all of life all the time. Amen? And so we find out that all this that God has for us is for His glory and for our good. Always. Yes, we will have class participation. You just ate. Your insulin's going crazy. A lot of things are happening internally and all. It's for our good. Always. All right, so... Is there ever going to be the possibility of the slimmest chance that what God has for you is not for your good? No way. Always for our good. Amen? Always for our good. So it's all for God's pleasure. It's all for our good. He reveals to us His pleasure. That's for our good, for His glory. God is good. Do we agree with that? God is good. God gives what kind of gifts? Good gifts. So God then lays down certain principles for us to behave, not just a bunch of do's and do-nots, although behavior definitely does flesh out with do's and don'ts, but being, doing, living, God gives these and He says, here's my will on these matters, and that's, that's the only way. To go against that is to go against the laws God has established, and when you go against the laws God has established, you're doing so to your own peril. Agree? 
And so we've come to Ephesians 5, and we've seen God's plan for the home. Now, it's in other portions of Scripture as well, but we saw this morning in Sunday school, God's plan for wives, wives, women who are married, if you're married to a man, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Remember, the command is submit, that is present tense, so it's continual. It is middle voice, meaning action is performed upon itself. Subject performs action upon himself or herself. In other words, do it yourself. Don't make people make you submit. It's not going to happen. It's not going to work. What's your husband going to do to make you to submit? He's going to say, I'm not going to feed you. I'm going to not let you leave the house. These are all abusive things, right? We don't do that. You don't, you don't engage like that. You willingly, cheerfully said, I do, I will. You made vows. Now just do as you are. You are a wife. Do as you are. Amen? That's not complicated. And so submit, that's be living a life in subjection and submission unto your own husbands. But don't forget, submit your what? Selves. It's, if you live like it's a list of things and a bunch of burdens and all, that is trouble, that is hard, that is difficult. It shows that a lady is not actually herself submitted. But Paul had the, the Lord had Paul write to the church at Corinth that those churches of Macedonia first gave of their own selves. They gave themselves. So marriage is a woman giving herself, and it's a man giving himself. And anything short of that, you have all these issues that are really like trying to deal with leaves on the tree when actually the tree is the issue. You understand? Give yourself, submit yourself. It's not just activities. It's not just words. Certainly that all is entailed. That flows from that. Attitudes flow from that, but give yourselves. So in a, in a made-up scenario, we have a man, we have a woman, and she says, you know, I've been thinking, we need to do this. That's not being in subjection. That's not being in subjection. I've been thinking, we need to do this. That's taking the reins. Someone that's in subjection as a church member doesn't say, Brother Byler, I've been thinking, we need to do this as a church. They say something like this, Brother Byler, I've been thinking, I've been praying, what do you think about this? You think this would be helpful? And if he says, give me time to think and pray about it, amen. That's being in subjection. If he says, I'd like time to think and pray about it, thanks for giving me that idea. And you say, my ideas don't count for anything. You're not in subjection. You just are showing with your attitude. You're not quite getting it. You're not embracing it. And a wife that says to her husband, we need to do this. And he says, well, I appreciate you bringing it up. I'll think about that. Maybe he says, why do you think that? Let's talk about that. No, I told you we need to do it. Is that being in subjection? It's not. Be in subjection. Live this, do this. And the scope of this is in all things, as the church is to Christ, and the good reason is Christ is the head of the man and the head of the church. The, the, head, the man is the head of the woman. Folks, it is what it is. It just is what it is, and it's the best way. There's not a better way. Nobody's getting ripped off. It's good. God is good. God gives good gifts. And so then uh, to the husbands, love your wives. You're a husband. Be what you are. I'm a husband. Men here are husbands. Be the husband. And a husband that loves his wife, maybe she comes to him and says, I've been thinking it needs to be this way. He doesn't go, you don't do the thinking around here. That's not loving. That's not kind. Yeah, but she shouldn't be telling me how it's going to be. It's true. She shouldn't. That's biblical. That's not being in subjection. But her not being in subjection doesn't now give you a green light to not love. 
And don't you want to love her? Don't I want to love Dana? Yes. So, well, you know, uh, darling, I appreciate you bringing this to my attention, but we're not going to do things where you tell me what needs to be done. We're going to talk about things, and ultimately I have to decide what needs to be done, but let's talk about that. And we can work through things and learn, amen? Wife comes and says, um, darling, I've been thinking about something, and do you think this might be a good idea? I'll be the one that comes up with the ideas. I'm the husband. It's not being loving. So, lady, does that mean now you can say, he's not loving me? I don't have to be in subjection. No. If we only all do our part when the other one is flawless, it's just meltdown. It's not going to work. There's only ever been one flawless person walking this earth, and that's Jesus. Well, I'll love her just as soon as she submits. Doesn't say that. Well, I'll yield to him, and I'll be in subjection to him just as soon as he loves me like Christ loves the church. Doesn't work that way. I need to do my part. Dana does her part. Husband, do your part. Wife, do your part. And it's be that. Be a loving husband. Be that one that cares for the woman. And that's present, active, imperative. imperative. Love your wives. Present tense, all the time. Active, you do it. Imperative, it is a command from God. And the reasoning is as Christ, and the scope is as Christ loves the church. And then he closes out the passage with, Every husband is to love his wife in particular. Let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself. And the wife see that she reverence her husband. And that reverence, is, that's a, another heart attitude. It's revered. Let me, let me remind you of something from 1 Peter chapter 3. And that is a portion there where Peter, under inspiration, wrote to the wives. He said, likewise, ye wives, be in, be in subjection. It's not just go through the list and cross it off. It's be in it. It's just, it's your life. Praise God. You know the funny thing about some married people? This lady will say, I just hate it. It's, I can't stand it. It's so hard to be in subjection. Now, you were single and you didn't have to get married. I don't have, there's nobody I know that's in a marriage where they were forced into marriage. You said you wanted this. Did you not know? That when you said, I do and I will, that meant you were willingly being in subjection. You knew that. Sometimes ladies will say, but I just, he drives me crazy. I don't understand him. He doesn't think like me. He doesn't act like me. He doesn't. And I say, did you want to marry another woman? And I usually get, that's disgusting. Well, of course it is. Yes. But you're kind of talking like that. A man will say, she drives me crazy. I wish she'd think like me and be like me. And I wish she was strong like me. Did you want to marry a guy? No. Well, then why are you acting like that? You're talking like you, you want a man in a woman's body or something. It doesn't work that way. You wanted to be married. Praise God. So now be what you wanted. Nobody said you had to get married. Amen. So let's be in subjection. Let's be loving. Well, I just, I don't know how I can revere him. I can't stand it. The Bible says be in subjection unto your own husbands. And then if any obey not the word. Yeah, a person married to a lost person. Well, not just that. If, if Brother Hoyle doesn't obey the word in some area of life, should Mrs. Hoyle be, you listen to me, young man, you know how it is. Well, maybe Mrs. Hoyle is mom, you know, but, but Mrs. Hoyle, his wife, she shouldn't do that. Win him without the word. If your husband doesn't obey the word in some point, you don't say, well, you know the Bible says this, and you have no authority to correct him. It's not going to work. It's going to hurt you. It's going to hurt him. Win him without the word. You be in subjection to the Lord. If any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives while they behold your chaste what? Conver not just your do's and don'ts. I don't say this, I don't, and I do this. 
but your whole lifestyle. Chase conversation coupled with fear. Fear of who? Fear of God. See, that man you're married to, that's God's son. Do right by him. That woman I'm married to, that Dana, that is God's daughter. You better be right. And she's, we're heirs together of the grace of life, right? Better be careful how I treat God's child. Who's adorning? He goes on to talk about uh, hidden man of the heart, etc. But I want you to see down in verse 6. Even as Sarah, 1 Peter 3, 6, obeyed Abraham. This phrase right here. Everybody knows that. Calling him. Now, have you ever heard a preacher preach on that without joking about it? Make, just kind of making fun and all. It's just a big joke to people. But I want to show you where Peter took that from. Go back to the book of Genesis, chapter 18. I've heard preachers preach on that, calling him Lord. Oh, yeah, yeah, like you, know, like you ladies are going to say, Lord, oh, Lord, Lord Howard. <laughs> oh, Lord Bobby. <laughs> and it's just a big joke. God's not joking. I want to show you a great spiritual truth here in, in Genesis 18. And look down in verse 12. Therefore, Sarah laughed. What's the next two words? Within herself. Saying, am I, after I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure? My Lord being old also. Brother Andrew, the point Peter's making is Sarah's heart, her attitude was she considered him Lord. You read about Abraham and Sarah, it looks to me like he kind of considered her queen. He treated her like a queen. He loved her, looked out for her, took care of her, etc., and it was just her heart. She wasn't making some joke, oh, Lord Abraham, you know, I'm not worthy. No, that was just her mentality in her heart. And so flowing from that, in her own heart, in her own quiet thought, she considered him Lord. The Bible calls Abraham the mighty hand of God in her life. The Bible calls those in authority in our lives the mighty hand of God. To go against Abraham, I think she thought that would be to go against God. She was God's man. He was her husband. She had that heart attitude. Is that the heart attitude you have towards your husband, ladies? Well, he's not Lord. He's your head, and his head is Christ. But how am I supposed to straighten him out? Christ will do that. Oh, fine. Well, I will fast and pray for seven days and seven nights. Christ will straighten him out. That's the wrong attitude of heart. I want you to know, honey, I'm going to be in subjection to you, but I'm praying for you right now that God will fix you. That's not a right attitude. That's not revering. That's not reverencing. Primarily, how does Christ exercise his headship in a man's life? Primarily through the church and the pastor. God's big enough that God knows your husband needs help at times, just like Dana's husband needs help at times. And God will use other men to help them. And so the husband loved the wife. Every husband in particular loved the wife. And the wife, see, look to it. See it. Look at it. If you weren't so busy looking at all his flaws, you might start looking to see how you could reverence him. Wouldn't that be something? If I'm, not, if I'm so busy looking at every little thing in Dana's life and try to find everything out, and I was really looking more to love her, might have better eyesight. Might have better times. See that she reverenced from the heart, heart attitude of Lord. That's powerful, isn't it? So you saw that in 1 Peter. You saw it in Genesis. I mean, it's what the Bible says. Culture makes fun of that. Christians make fun of that. I have a pastor friend. He said to the ladies, 
he said, uh, take a week. And he said, call your husband Lord some this week. And he said, really do that in your heart. And he said, even out loud, just, just do it. And see if you can do it or see if your flesh just hates it. One lady that was in the service got so angry that week, she lost it on the pastor. She was the visiting missionary's wife. Yeah, they shouldn't be going to the mission field. I mean, the pastor, he wasn't being silly. He was being scriptural. He said, try it for a week, just a few times. Just really from your heart, consider your husband with reverence. And even call him Lord in your heart, and even a few times on your lips. And he said, without making it funny and joking around, that lady lost it. Screamed and yelled and fought with her husband and the pastor. That's sad, isn't it? She ought to be queen. He ought to be Lord. That'd be good. A marriage ought to be a mutual admiration society, mutual commendation society. There ought to be much approval. Hey, Song of Solomon, just look at the round and round and round. They're talking about how great the other one is. Wouldn't that be good? Is there a downside to that? Can anybody think of a negative to that? But if we do that, there could be some cons, you know, some pros, some cons. There's no cons. It's a good thing. Well, then we come to chapter 6. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And then he quotes the very mouth of God to Moses. And when he does, you should remember that when God uttered this in the ears of Moses and all Israel with the cloud around the mount and the threat that even if a beast comes near the mount, a dart would be thrust through it. Remember? Thunders and lightnings and quakings. It was kind of like, Honor thy father and thy mother. And it was, I'm not anywhere near what it was like. And that's how you ought to hear that verse. Those children of Israel were scared to death, and they were begging Moses, make it stop. We don't want to see it. We're scared to death. You go up alone. We read this. Honor thy father, your name, Young people, you better read this. You better hear God's voice. That is God's voice right there. And I want you to get this. It says, children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is what? It's not exceptional. It's not incredible. You don't deserve medals and awards. It's just the right thing to do. By the way, when us husbands love our wives, we don't deserve any credit or any re- It's just the right thing to do. And ladies, if you submit to your husbands, if you're being in submission, if you're reverencing and that is your life, it's honestly, it's not accolades. It's just the right thing to do. It's God's created order, and to go against it is weird and freakish and foolish. It's disgusting. Children, obey your parents. It is right. It's righteous. It's fit. It's meet. It's proper. Then honor. Honor is present tense, meaning you do it round the clock. You never stop doing it. You honor, honor, honor. It's from your heart. It's through your lips. You can't do it and not say it. If you honor someone, you say so. If you honor your mother, you rise up and call her what? Blessed. If you honor your father, you treat him with respect from your mouth, from your attitude, from your heart in every way. And it's a command of God. In the book of Exodus chapter 20, in, and I know nothing about Hebrew, but I use these helps and all, and I know that with Hebrew words and vowel points and all, even the stem can make a difference, the stem where it's written. 
And the stem there, I have read, indicates purpose. In other words, you have to purpose continually. I will honor my parents. You do it on purpose. It's not Father's Day and Mother's Day. It's all the time purposefully honoring my parents. You ought to live every day of your life thinking things like this. What would Dad want me to do? Is, would Dad be pleased with us? I'll bet in the Hoyle house, I'll bet there's some things laid down about how you keep your bedroom and you take care of the property and all. If your dad said, do you guys have a lawn to mow? If dad says mow the lawn, you ought to be mowing that lawn and thinking, how would dad want this done? How would dad do this? And if you're not thinking that way, you ought to think that way. Amen, amen, amen. This guy Daniel here, your dad says go outside and take care of this. You go out and you do it the way you know your dad wants. And if you're not sure how he wants it done, you ask him. That's honor. That's honor. You say respectful tones to your parents. Your parents says, I need you to have this ready at this time. You don't go, okay, it's dishonoring. That's dishonoring God. I'm just going to back up again. And I'm, when us husbands don't love as Christ, we're dishonoring God. And when wives don't honor their husbands and, and give reverence and submission, it's dishonoring God. And it's not the same children being in subjection and wife looks exactly the same. It doesn't look the same, and it shouldn't. But there is to be subjection, and there is to be honor. Honor thy father and thy mother. You find out what they want, how they want it, when they want it. You do it. You give your best sneaking around and doing halfway. And all. That's dishonorable. It's not right. I beg you in Jesus' name, repent of that. And get really involved in honoring. Because if you don't honor your parents, you're going against God's created order. His pleasure is being attacked. And for your good always, you're not going to have. And you're going to get hurt. You're going to get hurt bad. You can't go against God's order and survive that. Now it says here, this is the first commandment with promise. I want you to notice that word is. Brother, it doesn't say this was the first commandment. It doesn't say this will be. It's right now the first commandment that has a promise attached to it. God's word keeps on going and going. God's word wasn't. God's word is quick and powerful. Amen? You live by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. It's not like God said all that. That's all you know, dusty and ancient. It's somewhere buried over in some mountain. This is God's word. You better keep this. You better do this by the grace of God. It's the fir it is the first commandment with promise, and God gave it with thunderings and with lightnings and with thick darkness, and He gave it with a promise. You honor your father and your mother, it'll be well with you. You want things to go well? You want to live long on the earth, which the Lord thy God giveth thee? Honor thy father and thy mother. It's the voice of God. When you read Ephesians 6, young people, you read it and you hear God speaking. You hear it with power and authority and you read it with quaking and trembling, and you also read it with joy that your loving Heavenly Father is showing you what's best for you. Honor thy father and thy mother. You can't roll your eyes at your parents and honor them. You can't flip your head back and slump your shoulders and sigh and honor your parents. If your dad says to be in bed at 10 o'clock and you go diving in bed at 10 o'clock, you're not honoring your parents. Honor looks like you're making sure that without any question, you're under those covers and those lights are off at 10. So, you know, like 955 would be pretty honorable, wouldn't it? Do you honor your parents? Or do you try to see what you can get away with? Do you say, you know, if I do this, I might get in trouble, but it'll be worth it. That's not honoring. Let's honor our parents.
I don't believe that ever expires. I honor my father. Doesn't mean that my dad calls me up, tells me what to do every day. I go, Dad, what, how much money should I spend at McDonald's a day? No, but I think about my dad. I'd be stupid to not think every day. I mean, pray every day of my life. What would my dad say about this? How would dad do this? What would dad think about this? I'd be foolish not to think that. He's a man in whom is the Spirit of God who's taught me to write and taught me the Bible and warned me. I honor him. And if your dad's even wicked, there's, you still give honor and respect. That's still your father. You might not do everything he would do and all, but you honor. And God honors people that honor their parents. You see it all through the Bible. I won't talk about all them, but you know that's true. Well, there's one more command here in the simple order of the home. It's really simple. It's not complicated. It's God's pleasure, and God is good, and God gives us good things, and he shows us his way, and if we go against it, we're just cutting our own head off. You know, if I fight with the pastor, I'm cutting my head off. Christ is my head, but the pastor represents Christ to me in a great way in the church. If I fight with him, I'm fighting against my head. Why am I hacking at my own head? If a woman fights with her husband, why are you hacking at your own head? Why does chafe under his authority? That's your head. That's good. And children, don't fight with your parents. They love you. They're good for you. You need them. There's one more here, and that is, of course, in this very simple plan for the home that honors God and is for our good always, and ye fathers. Provoke not your children to what? Wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Don't push and goad your children to frustration, to anger. How many of you ever... Um, you got, a, you got on at a new job for the first few days and no one really spelled out what was expected. You ever been through that? And it's really frustrating, isn't it? And you say, look, look, I, if I just knew what's, what you expect out of me, boy, I, I want to serve you, I want to do everything, the company way and all. You've been through that. You ever, you ever had parents where, don't raise your hand, kids. No, kids, just leave your hands down. You just don't clearly know what, what's expected. The, the goalposts are constantly changing. We should communicate clearly, concisely. It should be plain and simple instructions. And if they're not obeyed, they've got to be dealt with because that's rebellion against God. We can't condone sin in our homes. But if we constantly change and constantly all over the field, all over the map and everything, it's frustrating. What about when I sin? You know, I could, I could provoke my children to wrath because, Brother Byler, I sin. I don't believe they have any excuse for that if when I sin, I confess. I confess fully, frankly. I ask for forgiveness. I own my sin. I don't blame anyone else. If you can only be saved and love God and honor your parents and all, if your dad and mom are perfect, you're going to die and go to hell because your parents aren't perfect. Well, I am saved, but I can only really love and serve God if my parents are perfect. That's not biblical. Everybody in this book except Jesus sinned, made mistakes. Some of them made huge messes and all. Honor your parents. And if you're, if you're thinking right now, well, my dad provokes me to wrath because he fails sometimes. If your dad is constantly confessing and asking for forgiveness, then he's a blessed man. And you're blessed to have a dad like that. And the same with mom. Fathers are the ones who are to train children up and, and raise them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Wives are help to help the fathers do that. King and queen, amen? Ladies, help in us by all means. And look at the book of Proverbs. All this instruction from the dad, 
But then when mama speaks up, man, does she have some good stuff to say. Amen. And all, you look at where mom speaks up, it's all just reinforcing what dad has taught. Is that right? Solomon's teaching all this wisdom, and now the mom speaks, and she's just reinforcing. She's not laying out other stuff that dad hasn't. She's reinforcing. They're working together. Fathers don't provoke them to wrath. Fathers can. Sometimes we're not around the kids as much. We're not as maybe tender and, you know, and all that softness and everything. And it's good we have a wife. Good mom is there to balance things out. And it's easier for us to maybe push kids to wrath. But don't do that. Instead, bring them up. Bring them along in the what? Nurture. That's the gentleness, the meekness. Here's what you need from the Lord and the admonition. That's the, hey, you know that's wrong. Cut it out. You know what the Bible says. It's both. The Lord leads us with a rod and a staff. Part of that is to fight the enemies. Part of that is to pull us back. And part of that is to whack us when we need whacked. Amen. Fathers, don't provoke to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of what? Of the Lord. It's not admonition of what some great child psychologist said or whatever. It's the Bible. This is the Lord's word. Lead the home that way. So this is all honestly very simple, and it's, uh, it's very easy to understand. All of God's people can do it. We have all things that pertain to life and godliness, but if we don't, we're going against God's order just as surely as two guys saying they're getting married is going against God's order. That's right. Just as surely as a woman cutting her hair off and going out and buying men's clothes and saying, I'm a man, that's against God's order. And it's just as much against God's order if I don't love my wife and my wife doesn't reverence me and be in subjection and if our children don't obey and honor and if I provoke them to wrath, that's against God's order too. You say, well, the other thing's an abomination, and it's perversion. That's perverted. This is perverted, too. Matter of fact, I would contend the reason there's so much going on around the country of all that is because we left this a long time ago. We're ready to pitch fits over transvestites and all, but a long time ago, we stopped submitting to Ephesians 5 and 6. That's okay. But then they just took, I mean, we went to here, and they just went ahead and jumped off the cliff. Oh, you bunch of sickos. Well, this is pretty sick that we left God's word and came all the way over here. Should we be shocked that they're jumping off the cliff? We had a, uh, a skunk get killed by a car. Cars don't kill skunks. People still kill skunks. Let's, we'll get a gun debate started over this. Somebody was riding by our house and hit a skunk with their semi-automatic, militaristic-looking car. I think it was probably, a, it was probably an assault car. I think it was June, maybe. The end of our driveway, it's laying right in the middle of the road. Me being the good citizen that I am, I thought, someone's got to get that off the road. So I go out, and I take our flat shovel, and I throw it in the ditch at the front of our property. And, and then, of course, me being a procrastinator, I thought, I'll bury it later. Well, I didn't bury it for a few days. And all of a sudden, we look out, and there's a, some buzzards. I never knew how buzzards were, how big they were until they got in my own driveway. Those things are big. They had that skunk in the middle of our driveway, and they're just having a feast. Stunk out there. It was nasty. But I got all our family, and I said, you see those buzzards? Picking away at that rotten, putrid skunk. I said, you know what that actually is? That's actually normal. That's natural. But I said, what would you think if we looked out and we saw a mother cow and a calf nibbling at that skunk? 
you'd say something's wrong with us. What is going on? I mean, have they been drinking nuclear waste somewhere? I mean, what, you know, I mean, really, this would be, this would be newsworthy. Or if you saw Mary's little lamb out there nibbling at the dead, rotten, putrefied skunk, what would you say about that? That is freakish. We ought to start looking at sin that way. You see a lost home, and mom just argues with the dad, and dad's unloving and has his own life, and the kids talk back, and everybody, okay, that's lost people. They're living like they are. They're sinners. When we act like that, we're acting like sheep chewing on a rotten skunk. And we ought to stop acting like it's okay, and even just stop going, well, I'm sorry, you sorry, I'm sorry, okay, never mind. We ought to actually confess that stuff and repent of that and say, that right there was disgusting, what we did. We, in essence, just, just bowed down like idolaters. We sinned. We went the way of Antichrist. These things ought not so to be for saved people. We ought to get aggressive against sin in our homes, and it starts with me getting aggressive against mine and my wife against hers and our children against theirs, but also fathers do lead and let's get aggressive with our sins and you with yours, her with hers, amen? Let's be sure that we're pleasing God. And, and the rewards are, there's no downside. There's no cons. It's all pros. God's design is for us to have heaven on earth in our homes. That's literally out of the Bible in the, in the Old Testament. That's his design. All things created for his pleasure. <clears throat> for our good always, he gives us the instructions. He gives good things. His way is good. He's a good God. Let's do it His way. Live by faith, doing it His way.